hello, it's me, Dale Seaver, your host and companion through this, the deep night, the 4 a.m. hour of regrets and revelations. You've tuned in for another enlightening episode of Dale Radio, coming to you, as always, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. And today we continue our season-long dive into the realm of characters and comedy in a wide-ranging talk with drag queen performer and musical artist Ham Sandwich. Ham and I sat down at Harvestworks in Soho, and as I mentioned over the course of the conversation, there's a little ethereal contribution to the audio here, wafting in, provided by someone working on some kind of avant-garde composition next door. And uh, is that... No. Exciting. It's exciting, isn't it? Ah, the whole reason for being there at, at the studio is to have a quiet space in New York to do this show. But listen, creatives got to create. I get it. You know, when you got to make it sound like Enya's giving birth, well, you do it. You know, you're compelled. I understand the creative impulse. And the truth is, there are no quiet places in New York. Could I submerge myself in a sensory deprivation tank? Maybe. But unless you're in the audience of one of my shows, there's no way to be totally and completely alone. So what else can I tell you from Dale HQ before we begin? Well, my goodness, we celebrated my niece Katrina's ongoing motherhood. Mother's Day was this past week, and her daughter Pepsi wanted to cook a special meal for her, and so I was the sous chef on a very handsome bagel with cream cheese and hot sauce and a small mug of ice water. And it was one of those mugs that was a ceramic mug that Pepsi had made. It. You go to one of these places, you know, a pottery and uh, parties kind of a deal, and uh, you pick out, I don't know, you off the shelf, they have the pre-made mug, and then you maybe stick some stuff on it and slop some paint on it and glaze, and they fire it, and you come back, and you pay 20 or some dollars for it. And uh, my goodness, that mug is, uh, well, it's been made by a child, so probably it will end up in the attic or maybe in the basement holding nails. That's what all... <laughs> All mugs made by children end up doing something else. They don't always last on the on the main shelf with the other mugs that one has purchased to go with everything else. Katrina's not big on breakfast, so she tends to eat these, I don't know what you call them, uh, nutrition bars. I know they're not food because if you go to a supermarket, they're kept well away from where the food is stored in what I call the science aisle, along with mouthwash and Advil. Uh, these are things that are made in a lab, not a kitchen. Uh, and she eats these things, and they're all flavored to taste like other uh, foods you may be familiar with, healthy options like an Oreo bar or a salted caramel bar. Uh, I've had one out of desperation while waiting to merge under the Gothel's Bridge on a particularly bad Sunday evening, and I can tell you that it tastes like, well, you remember styrofoam? When everything was styrofoam, cups, dishes, boxes, everything foam. The foam industry was at its peak. And you, you had to, and maybe you had to make a model out of the solar system. And so your parents bought ten foam balls of varying sizes from the hobby and craft store. And he tried to paint them, but his foam, so all the color just sucked deeper into the ball. Never quite looked uh, like planet Earth. You, you know, you'd realize years later that what you could do is get a skim coat of plaster or something over the balls to even them out. But you had no time for plaster as a youth, so you went with it and it looked horrible. And maybe you got to see, but really, who uses science anymore? Well, if you've ever bit into one of those foam balls, those dusty foam balls, like a day after eating an Oreo, and you were also able to fill your mouth with a soft wax, maybe if you shaved a candle at the same time, that's what eating one of these bars is like. 
I don't care that it's uh, covered in chocolate or a, a chocolate simulation, which we all know is an aphrodisiac. Aphrodisi better be the name of a really romantic rapper out there. I give up. And even though I would push a child out of the way to reach the last lint ball from the shelves at CVS, I'm not going to eat this bar and think, yes, I'm eating uh, substantial food and or aroused. No, it's not a breakfast. Breakfast is dry wheat toast, half ear of leftover corn on the cob, warmed with butter, maybe a little salt, and uh, black coffee. I eat what President Harry Truman ate every day before he made passionate love to Besh. In my case, I eat and then I ride the subway. So we're very similar, (laughs) aren't we, Harry Truman? And myself in so many ways. So many ways. Anyway, I'll also take a short stack of blueberry pancakes or a tall stack of silver dollars. You like a silver dollar-sized pancake? I do. Very manageable. That's what I like about those. Some people don't even remember that we had silver dollars. So some people, for a silver dollar, that's only a pancake size. But these were actual coins, folks. We carried them around in our pockets. We got excited when one was given to us out of that, you know, fingers reaching into those plastic trays in the register. You know, they go to that other one, and maybe you get one by mistake. They thought it was a quarter. Or maybe you'd get one, really, like somebody knew what they were doing. And get you, Boy, you'd just, you'd, and you wouldn't even know whether to spend it. That's what happened with a lot. You just set it aside and think, I might never get one of these again. Anyway, happy Mother's Day to all the gals out there who chose to keep them. Today's episode is, of course, sponsored by Audible.com with over 180,000 audio titles. Probably more by now. I've been been, uh, uh, giving you that same copy for a long time. I think they must be over 200,000 titles by this point uh, to choose from. Audible is the source for audiobooks and specifically designed audio content. I was on an Audible uh, uh, project there for a moment. I have no idea how to find it, but it's up there. Uh, 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 Floor wax commercials and an obscure project on a site that sells things that don't exist. That's my bread and butter. Crack open an American beer and let her rip, because <laughs> that's what fame tastes like. Oh, it's so satisfying. Anyway, give audible.com a try with a free 30-day trial and audiobook of your choice. Just visit audibletrial.com slash Radio. Uh, I realized after I taped last week's episode that I failed to uh, formally name the Trumpet Boys uh, by their given names. Uh, I was so caught up in the in the fantasy of it all, so my thanks to Mark Vigent, Ian Stroud, and Dan Fox for their time and improvisation. <laughs> Wasn't that fun? It's a great time. I didn't know what to expect, and uh, I still don't. In other news, I've been dealing with a little rejection, uh, tough time with the ladies, tough time with humor editors at major publications, but thank God, or whatever you subscribe to, a plate of meatballs, whatever, thank the hot Italian dish that this show exists, and I get to have great conversations like the one you're about to hear. <laughs> I can't reject myself, now can I? Ham came into the studio in the morning, I gather, after staying up a little Late, something I'm familiar with, and I had to, uh, in all honesty, I was frantically smacking my face to try and chase away the pillow wrinkles that were etched into my brow. But we sat down and we talked about personas and staying true and theater and the uh, (laughs) short shelf life of phonies. 
It was great. Ham can be found online with a few episodes of the all-too-briefly produced podcast Ham Radio, along with some original music that was available on SoundCloud. And uh, you can find Ham around town at Ars Nova as part of the Showgasm series or at one of the karaoke nights on Sundays where it sounds like very little actual karaoke actually happens. Ham is a unique spirit doing strong work out there, and it was a pleasure uh, to sit down and talk through some things with ham. So now let's go to it. My conversation with Ham Sandwich. Oh, Ham Sandwich. Ham. Hi there, Dale. <laughs> this is a delight. I'm so thrilled you could be here. Yes, I am I. And it's nice, as you said, it's early for you. Yes, I'm thrilled that I could be here at this hour. <laughs> a bit of a night owl, aren't you? A little bit of a night owl, yeah. yeah. Always the case? Uh, it is. It has been the case for as long as it's mattered. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, first of all, we know each other. Through John Early. Let's just get that out of the way. Yes, wonderful John Early. Wonderful John. John Early. He's my gateway uh, drug to the ham sandwich world, and I couldn't be happier. That's great. It's, uh, we were both on the bill. You and I uh, were part of the show, Showgasm. Yes. I mean, it's a show that you co-host. Uh, yes, that's very flattering of you to... Uh to label it that it right. way, I'm still on the bill. Uh, I'm still referred to as the house DJ, which is <laughs> we're going to change that. You see, <laughs> if I just say you're co-host enough times, mm-hmm. we'll get you up there. Yeah. And uh, how long have you been associated with that particular one? With that show? With Showgasm. Uh, since about halfway through its first year. So I think we're on our third year now, third and final. Third and final. Yeah, you're going to wrap up at what? We what have part? two more. Um, two more. Two more standard showgasms yeah. up at Ars Nova, and then we bid it farewell forever. Wow, you guys are going to not going to do it. No, we're not yeah. going to do showgasm uh, in that form. I'm actually continuing on with a kind of spinoff, a kind of Better Call Saul. This is at Ars so Nova funny. in theory called uh, Hamversations, which will be a live <laughs> oh. kind of. Uh, like arts and lectures kind of um, vibe sure, up sure. in the up in the loft. Ah, so I'm not like sure. We have our first one in June. What? It seems like they're making greater use of that. Uh, judging from the recent uh, publicity around their festival, there's a lot of activity happening up in the lounge. Yes, I think it's mostly that they don't have to build anything for it. <laughs> it's just a, you know, it's just a nice. It's just a nice apartment, basically. Yeah, so they don't have to do any uh, carpentry. <laughs> That's right. It's a nice feeling of a house party up there. Or yeah. Just a gathering in the. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. I'm glad that there's a spinoff. Oh, thank uh, you. I, I like to see that kind of stuff. I like the uh, continuity within the world and uh, to keep going. And um, congratulations. Oh, that's, uh, yes. That's uh, congratulate me later when it actually where's, happens. Where's John going to go off? John's probably going to just go uh, continue upward his, on his trajectory. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? It's just hard to. It's hard to snag him yeah. for a Thursday. I know. You know, uh, so that's one of our reasons for discontinuing Showgasm in its current format, although our friendship will remain as Surely. strong and ruddy as ever. Yeah, yes. Well, I appreciate that you're. The, it's a little bit like Black Swan over there. Uh, <laughs> you mean my the, my projecting like negativity and like apathy like over in the corner? A little bit, you know. Uh, John's a kind of a hot air balloon, right? And he's, he's always got a lot of good rising, positive. Uh, you can't get him down, kind yes. of a thing. Uh, and and you uh, you tether him. 
<laughs> well, I like just to think bit, that just a bit. I like to think that we're like two, you know, two hawks fighting over a trout in midair. Do you know what I mean? And we just—it's more of a centrifugal uh, thing, you uh-huh. know, that we're both in motion, but that we're both. Yeah, shoot, that's a better way in, to look at it. That we both are uh, tensing against each other. Uh, <laughs> yes. Energy. Well, and you, of course, and we this will wrap up uh, the the thing with John as you are, but. Uh, uh, you know, the also were we were both part of the showgasm. I did one of the showgasm thing. Then you were part of the Joe's Pub night that he had. Yes, which uh, ranks as one of the great nights I think in theater that I've ever seen. Literally me, yeah. John Early. Literally that, me. That's right. Yeah, so but, but also other people. <laughs> yeah, literally <laughs> me. part of it. Yeah, that's uh, what that literally means. <laughs> and recently, uh, you had a showgasm, a big, big one, uh, as kind of a benefit for Ars Nova, the theater company up there in the fifties somewhere. Yes. And what, were we in a strip club? We were in a just a nightclub. A nightclub. There, uh, I'm sure it would like to think of itself as being a little bit classier than your an average strip club, but I'm sure that there has been stripping at, <laughs> at Marquee. Yes, and that night there was a little bit too. Yeah, we had uh, a little bit of a kind of alternative go-go dancing vibe going on in the rafters. Well, speaking of go-go dancing, yes, the go-go they were not they were part of the show or they were part of the club. They were um, part of the show. They were not um, club okay. specific. Okay, they're actually I think they're from the burlesque community that we've had on some of those shows. The show guys, the 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 folks dancing in the rafters were were part of it. I think so. Okay, <laughs> I have right. very little memory of uh, of what they did. Or... Yeah, because what I what I thought is that they oh they. Had they're part of the scene. They came with a rental. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so the, here are these dancers that take their go-go dancing jobs very seriously. Yeah. And uh, if you weren't paying attention to them, they had a moment where, where they were watching Cocoon Central Dancing. Uh-huh. They do a great dance thing, kind of cutting into uh, the world of dance as they yes. do, commentating on it and yeah. uh, doing a very funny routine, uh, in, in, strange in its own way. And so they're watching that. And they had kind of stopped go-go dancing by that point. You got you, you all come out, uh-huh. and uh, they were watching a little bit. But then there was a little it was a little jab at the place or something, like kind of making fun of of the environment that we were in. Oh, and it seemed like they had soured then on the on the show and uh, left. Oh, that's that's beautiful. <laughs> that's the power of theater. Do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. you just are. Visible, you know, to an audience, and then yes. they'll just project all sorts of things. So I have no idea. I didn't communicate with any of them. Yeah. Um, well, and ma- I never will ever again. If that was the intention, great so, job. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm perfectly willing to take credit for that. If my, you know, if my uh, raising an eyebrow to the locale you know, of Marquis uh, uh, was was a turn off to them, then like you know I yeah. stand by it. Marquis a little bit of a it's weird. It was a little weird. Happy, but great, c- certainly nice for them to have us. A world full of humorless go-go dancers is not a world I want to live in. I've never met a hu- I, I've never met a humorous go-go dancer. They, <laughs> I don't know. The, it's the, it's maybe that they maybe they're funny on off the clock, but in that capacity they're not really receptive to humor. I guess some that's of them true. will pretend. To find you funny, but that's more of a stripper. That's more of a whore vibe. Sorry to use that word. <laughs> no, that's the, okay. A go-go, a go-go dancer is there to project, you know, sexual superiority. Yeah, and that um, it's not very humorous. It doesn't always, it doesn't always jibe <laughs> right. with the comedy. Yeah, that I guess that's true. Interferes and, with my projecting superiority. <laughs> that's right. 
And, uh, you know, I've sat down, and we should just acknowledge if, if there's some music floating in here. Harvestworks, where we're recording today, is a hotbed of new media creation. They support experimental artists and musicians, so there may be uh, what sounds like a little bit of singing in the background. That is uh, uh, neither one of us. It's wonderful. <laughs> That's just something happening and coloring our conversation. What I was going to say is I've sat down with a great number of people uh-huh. uh, uh, on this show uh, recently, j- including John and Cola Scola, some other wonderful guests, yes. especially this season. And I've noticed that I'm drawn to performers such as yourself that have a sense of theater, uh-huh. who have a sense of uh, uh, a stage presence, what it's like to be on stage, what the audience relationship is like. Uh, and so I wondered about your relationship to theater and, and how do you think that comes about? Well, um, that's a that's a good observation. I think that the that well, John and I met doing a production of Caucasian Chalk Circle. Oh, <laughs> back when we were both a little bit more invested, I think, in theater than we are now. I think that it's like uh, that that theater participation in theater can be a little bit like it's like your first love or whatever, where you can go kind of all out to an embarrassing level, get burned. You know, in the case of your love by their rejection or maybe the fact that they're just unworthy. (laughs) And then uh, in the case of theater, just by the fact that it's kind of a it's a very difficult context in which to thrive or make a living. Yes. And um, uh, and it's actually not very well regarded among, you know, the young. (laughs) So you so you kind of respond to that embarrassment by by taking the love of theater and burying it maybe in stealthily in something else. That's kind of what I ended up doing with drag, yeah, and what John ended up doing with comedy. And I think that of the three that you just mentioned, I think Cole is the one who uh, is most theatrical, like continuous, like you know what I mean, like Cole. Yes. He does a one man show. Yes. With characters, with wigs, the, ch- the whole change up. Wigs, costumes, scripts. Yes. You know, uh, and uh, yeah, so he's keeping the faith alive. Although even, <laughs> even Cole is a little bit like, you know, caught between worlds. So Absolutely, yeah. But there is, but um, I wouldn't trust anybody that didn't feel a theatrical impulse, you know. You wouldn't trust anybody that doesn't have that. No, because I know plenty, I come from, I'm also working nightlife, you know what I mean? Well, that's this, what I was going to say, yeah. So nightlife people, the, nightlife people are kind of mixed group, but like at least a third of them went to tit. <laughs> like <laughs> at least a third, or maybe just a quarter, like had theatrical ambitions, and they've uh, and they and they they would deny it, like you know, to the death. But they were definitely they definitely were in Little Shop of Horrors at some point, <laughs> and that's, um, that's right. <laughs> and uh, but you know that you can trust those people because they'll usually respond to what I do. Yeah, um, because they're aware of it. They have a theatrical yeah, sense yeah. and they know what's uh, what's happening. Yeah, but that is not true across the board when it comes to certainly drag performers. Yeah, and uh, even if it's a quarter or a third, whatever it is, it's still two thirds of the other stuff. Yeah, uh, uh, com- comedians are the same. There's uh, many times I will see a comedian that yeah. has no sense. Of theatricality, <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, there's, they may have a sense of timing, but the yeah. actual feeling of like being in a room with other people, yeah, and that you're having an effect on them, eh, it doesn't always come across. Yeah, you know, I know exactly what you're talking about. They're mining their personal stuff or their anger or whatever the heck's going on, but they are are not aware to the to the degree that um, those who have had to put in the time uh, yeah. in the theater are. 
it and seems I, to me. I think that the the lesson that everybody ends up learning at some point, like during acting training or theater training, it's like that that the lights that the lights switch kind of only goes on when you're outwardly directed. Yeah. So like that was all anybody ever talked about in acting program in the acting program you know like where i met john or whatever even though i was was only briefly i only briefly ever went it was (laughs) something to do for a summer but (laughs) yeah until you learn that lesson it's like it's a little bit too easy to just fall back into yourself and and uh, that's that's something you see a lot of stand-up comics doing something you see a lot of musicians doing yeah, and that's uh, the other uh, thing that you're studying now. You said is music. I'm studying uh, music I mean, you technology. Are uh, I I consider a myself a musician or yeah. like songwriter and stuff. Musician is for people I think who can actually like play instruments and stuff. I can't. I'm not very. I'm not great at that. But neither of those things is involved in the program that I'm in. Yeah. I'm in a pro, I'm in a music technology program at NYU. That is very much focused on technology and not so much focused on music, unless you consider kind of technological art, new new art music, you know, where you yeah. sonify like <laughs> tremors in the earth or something to be music, which I, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit, again, I'm too musical theater for that. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> You're not holding a microphone out in the field. I mean, I will if somebody asks me to, but it's not my That's passion. Not the first love. So I don't give a fuck. That's all right. Um, well, it's similar to what whatever's happening over, over there. I actually think I mean, one of my professors is one of the founders of Harvest Works. Oh. You know, God bless him. God, that's terrific. Man. Doesn't that's know terrific. that I exist. <laughs> <laughs> made no mark. We'll leave a note. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, and people can hear your uh, compositions or your, what do you call them, remixes? Uh, uh, no, uh, I mean, they can't. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> you can hear them, something There's on some SoundCloud stuff available on SoundCloud, um, yeah. but it's very minimal. I have a lot of half-finished stuff that I... Uh, I went to school because I couldn't finish an album. That was two years ago, and I haven't come any closer to finishing an album. I, I actually feel further away from it than ever because it's just I'm more insecure about my abilities in the studio than than I've ever been. And uh, uh, so, no, I write a lot of songs, and the best way to hear them is to come see me perform, which I do maybe twice a year. <laughs> oh, well, that's that's a decent. Yeah, that's decent. Because mm-hmm. if you did it more than that. Yeah, you might. Uh, uh, I'm like Daniel Day Lewis, like Jodie Foster. You know, they roll me say. out once a year. <laughs> but it's, it's good because you claim. can't uh, you can't neglect it as an audience member. You can't say, "Oh, well, you know, take take it for granted." Oh, it does oh, a no. show every week. I don't need to go and see it. Many no. people do. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, but you also were doing rapping and and all this with part of your perf- performance yeah. within the drag world. Yes, M- my foot in. To the drag world was I was a drag uh, rapper. I was like a hardcore rapper, which was uh, uh, which worked really well for about a year and a half, and then I just ran out of steam. I mean, because it's like there were multiple facts. But the good thing about the dr- drag rapping was that, um, especially early on, like I don't really have a, I don't, I didn't really have any innate gift for like makeup or fashion or presentation. So I was not the most beauteous, like uh, stunning to look at, but I uh, could put, I could yell (laughs) 
<laughs> and it would rhyme, and it would be qu- qu- very vulgar. And so all of those things worked in like a night in a nightclub or a night, nightlife setting. And so that got my name out. And then I yes. just kind of gradually transitioned into uh, a drag intellectual yeah. <laughs> slash musician or whatever. Uh, well, that's it. I, I, I like that term. Uh, and you certainly evolved into, I don't know what the original uh, manifestation was, but there's certainly some glamour that's there. Yeah, I've te- I've, I mean, I've honed the improved. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've improved, which is which is great. It's because it's the one thing that I've done regularly for the past four years. Yeah, anything, everything, almost everything else, I've started with great excitement and then given up about three months later. And did you have a, a drag mother and all this? No, too? no. That the the in New York at least in metropolitan areas, I think the the practice of the drag mother. It's become unnecessary. Unnecessary. Because there's a lot of information on YouTube, and it really is a kind of weird, edible power shit thing. You know, (laughs) I I don't trust this drag mother thing. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. (laughs) I've only uh, known one person uh, that uh, was involved in that kind of situation. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't. Well, but, you know, the problem is, like, so somebody adopts you as their drag ward, do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, they're Batman to your Robin or something, yes. and, but, when if, but what if they're not the Batman? You know, what if they're just a, a, a miserable little uh, a villain, you know what I mean? Like a third-rate peripheral character. Calendar man. Yes, one of these. yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then you're, lear- you're learning, you're, tr- you're absorbing the wrong life advice. <laughs> That's right. Might as well go to the marketplace of ideas, do you know what I mean? I, I, and try and gather I, up the best information. On the, on the internet, there's a kind of entrepreneurial spirit that yes. <laughs> that's there. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, let's uh, just uh, on this uh, drag intellectual. Oh, that's idea. Yeah. Uh, because that's part of why I'm thrilled to have you here. I mean, I'm just thrilled generally. But uh, uh, I have a, a deep amount of respect for you because of your many posts on uh, Facebook, social media, that kind of thing, uh, as well as your performance and uh, uh, the, the persona that you project out into the world. It, it's not always uh, someone that I agree with. That's great. But it is always someone that makes me consider another side to whatever the issue is. That's wonderful. So there's oh, it's provocative. Yeah, a little caustic. Yeah, a little. Uh, 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 it, it gets at you, but that's really something that you've. I mean, that's who you are. I. Uh, that's who I'd hope to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that I. For first of all, I don't agree with a lot of things that I've said. <laughs> yeah, which, but I think that drag is. Um, I think drag is a, helps the safety of that. Uh, Dialectic, which is a big word, but, but just like it's maybe it, that's an inappropriate word to use. But like you know, drag kind of just rounds the edges off a little bit and makes and makes and makes outrageousness a little bit more palatable. Yes. So, uh, I'm glad that that I I I enjoy when people most tell me that they disagree, but keep listening. <laughs> yeah. You know, because. Um, because that mean, I don't know. It means that there's room for disagreement, even despite the fact that I am usually screaming <laughs> or yeah. insisting, speaking like a fundamentalist and all that kind of stuff. Well, there is an urgency and a, and a, a frequency uh, that, uh, of your in terms of posts Facebook and ideas and things that you're putting out there. Um, it's, and, uh, yeah, it's it's, compu- uh, it's compulsive. <laughs> 
compulsive. And you know, I don't, uh, I don't get too much into into politics on this show, but I, I'm honestly flabbergasted by this uh, fact that we now have a, a governor, yes, suing the government about who can use the bathrooms. Yes, it's a very weird time, and the fact that he put his name on the thing. That's like saying in like Plessy versus Ferguson that you want to be Ferguson. Yeah. Right? You go down in history as one of the great small-minded bigots yep. of our time. It's your name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what? Well, there's something. Well, this is like, this is where it's the conservative mentality. Like, we shouldn't be surprised when these people are found, you know, as Christopher Hitchens would say, down on their lousy knees in a bathroom stall somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Like, I do. Because, they, because it's a perverse ideology anyway. There's a kind of perverse... Uh, thrill at being the villain of history in that way because it's it makes them feel like there's it's the same reason people wave the confederate flag i mean yeah. that kind of thing history has come to its conclusions do you know what i mean on the confederate flag as it will <laughs> right. with the bathroom issue right. but there's a perverse pride in being on the opposite side of history it's as if uh, uh, the lawmaking is a fetish mm-hmm. and, and these ideas are, are um or that, well, that hate is a fetish, I guess. I'm not even clear. Well, it's all a fetish to the. It's all a fetish to the right wing. Yeah. They're obsessed with sexual perversity. You know, like it's there. It's much more. They're much more preoccupied with fetishism and perversion and and sexual deviance than people are even on the sex positive like like <laughs> right. radical fairy left. Do you right, know what I mean? Right. Like. Um, it's they're an making, interesting phenomenon. They're making an issue out of something that, because listen, I could be pissing next to a wolf in a yes. Target bathroom and I wouldn't notice. There you go. If I'm using a bathroom at Target, it's because I'm. It's an emergency. Yeah, I'm not scoping the room. You no, know? absolutely. I'm ready to get out of there. Well, so it, that's the same reason a transgender person would be using that bathroom. You know what I mean? Because it's a biological imperative. Like, <laughs> right. Um, the the issue, the bathroom issue, and I know you said you don't want to get into politics, and I'm probably not qualified to talk very much further about it but the thing is that they don't actually care that this is like their weird way of responding to like laverne <laughs> yeah. like this is like this is this is the right wing noticing that it's no longer acceptable to be fully derisive and uh, uh and hostile to the trans population yeah that uh and they don't know what they don't know what to do the, the first this was their first idea right Right. <laughs> you know, it's like this is their hello. Not always the best, the yep. first idea. No. Now you mean Laverne Cox. Yes, Laverne the, Cox, the, yeah. The, uh, the actor. The transgender tipping point. Yes. Um, uh, but this sense of uh, uh, of you, of putting out there, of being provocative, that mm-hmm. has to come from a strong core, right? I understand that you had a, a good support system growing up. Uh, I did. Supportive parents and all that. Yes, very much so. Yeah. And uh, uh, something... Uh, uh, I think maybe you, you kind of share this with John, and that uh, when I talked to him, he said there's this expectation that you find out you're gay from the South. Yeah. Uh, you want to have some kind of story about how you were bullied or there was um, your parents exiled you or whatever it was. Yes. There's a kind of popular narrative that one wants to subscribe to. Yes. But uh, uh, that's a similar kind of thing with you. Uh, you grew up in Portland. I grew up in Portland, Oregon. Yeah, but one of the more liberal had, places possible to. Yeah. to well, sure. Yeah. yeah, it's not quite Nashville or what? Right, not Tennessee. <laughs> but uh, still, John had a perfectly fine time. It sounds like you had it. You were accepted uh, uh, for who you were and all that. Well, 
I uh, wouldn't know. I mean, I was too busy not accepting <laughs> myself for who I was. So it's like ah, the, I, I was never bullied. I was never actively bullied uh, by in a homophobic way. But the I think so. I mean, I was born in Portland, Oregon. I, I, I grew up there. Then I went to Sarah Lawrence College, and then I moved from Sarah Lawrence College to queer Brooklyn. Yeah. Like I've never. So I've never lived. In a place where it wasn't just majority, like, right. liberal, tolerant, blah, 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 you know? But um, for that reason, it's kind of like, it's like you split the magnet, you know, and yeah. then the part of the magnet polarizes. So, you know what I mean? The 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 new, ma- the new fragment is also positive, negative. And so I've spent most of my time figuring out where I stand with relation to the kind of the left, like the gay community, the queer left and, and like liberal, the liberal attitude. It's, and it's only recently that I kind of have reconciled basically with the left and with my community Mm -hmm. in response to what I'm, what I'm now aware of, which is the reality of the right, which I just have never been exposed to. I mean, I've just never been personally exposed to it. It always flares up during an election year. Yeah. But uh, I also just found myself like around like the turn of the new year. I was just like I was shocked and appalled like at the things that I was exploring on the web, like the 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 basically the alt right, the the web savvy right. <laughs> yes. Uh. And I came to the conclusion that whatever the excesses of the left are, and there are some, you know what I mean? And there are these articles that come out now kind of on a regular timetable about political correctness gone mad and campus culture gone mad. And uh, I I basically came to the personal conclusion after having shared those articles and really, you know, gotten very agitated over them, that the alternative is much worse, that the alternative being provided by the anti-PC alt-right, the kind of like – libertarian reddit right men's rights it's it's it all ends up you just end up in a morass of like men's rights activism uh xenophobia fucking transphobia like and gaming yeah you know what i mean like gamer nerd culture and it's like i don't want any part of it i, I <laughs> right. this is i'm on this side and uh it's, and it's nice fine. It's, it's good it's it's a relief it's a great relief you know yes so. I think I'll stay over here, too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about all that. Uh, But uh, how quickly within, you know, you went through uh, these uh, places that were probably all supportive of, even if there was an internal struggle, but at what point does it uh, uh, become a need to perform? At what point do you identify that within yourself? Um, Well, that's a good question. I I don't, I always wanted to, I was always kind of, I'm, I'm kind of very, I'm kind of very romantic like I have a romantic temperament and like so my early impulses were to be able to like make music in the way that you know if you're romantic heartbroken temperament it's that's a great way to soak up pop music because that's all it's about yeah so I really wanted to write and perform music and that seemed like it would be redemptive and um uh so I remember that from very young, but I didn't start really performing until like just my eighth grade. But prior to that, I was a, a competitive swimmer. Oh. And that, I actually think that 
you know, the transition from competitive swimming to theater <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was maybe harder on my mom than the gay thing. She the pool? <laughs> she was, it's much, to be honest, like, for somebody of my mom's temperament, it's much easier to be invested in in sports than in theater. She's not. She's not. She's not like a. She's not. Um, Mama. She's not Mama Rose. <laughs> yeah. She, she's like. She, she likes like, the, the competition. She likes having something to root for. Yes. Okay. She's very invested in in the swimming. Was she a swimmer herself? She was. Yeah. Uh-huh. But. Um, Champion. I think so. I never really got the full story. Mm-hmm. I know she swam through college and stuff. I, I, the, the the only reason I was really good swimmer was I got very tall very early. Yeah. So like I still have I think state records in Oregon like in the eleven and twelve category because I was just a giant and <laughs> and swam really fast. But then I stopped growing. Everybody else caught up, and then my my edge was lost, and I had no choice but to you know. <laughs> Turn to seek, show business. Seek refuge in the stage. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a banner somewhere with your name on it hanging I in a not. gymnasium. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, there, there will be. Like in the Indiana Jones at the end of the fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, sure. The warehouse. Uh-huh. I don't remember it that, oh. that well. That, I just, I can't recall movies. That's okay, Dale. They, they hit me and I experience them and then I don't. There's just, it's just it's just light and color and sound. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> a lot of pops and whistles. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, one of the things that uh, I also like about the uh, performance style, and I don't, I don't know how much. I assume you're in control of this, but uh, and it's the same kind of provocative impulse. I think is that uh, you you toy with the expectations of the audience while you are aware of it. I mean, I think you can't toy with it unless you're very aware with it. Is what I'm trying to say. Oh, cool. And you really uh, you seize control of the stage. And uh, create kind of your own timing. Oh, cool. Your own time zone. Yeah. Right? So it's you don't always give us what we want at the yeah. moment, but it's still satisfying. But it's the same kind of thing where you're like, you're, you're uh, not contrarian, but you're, you're, you're messing with us a little bit in well, a way that's enjoyable. That's, um, that's great. <laughs> that's great feedback. <laughs> I think, I, th- I think that, I'm afraid. I think. I think. Well, contrarianism is kind of a safe choice. Yeah. Like, uh, because I think for me it comes out of just fear of humiliation. It's like you don't want to lean too hard into a moment, a poignant moment. Yeah. Or seem to relish, you know, too much an audience's applause or their laughter or anything, because then you run the risk of humiliation. So it's a little bit safer to always be kind of cutting it off mm-hmm. at, at, at some at like kind of before it can get decadent <laughs> uh, and so that's how I experience it I'm glad it seems like you know contr- like you know performer in control of their faculty yeah it, she, it seems like it I don't know yeah oh yeah. good yeah yeah timing is fun <laughs> it is it's the thing that's it's it's fun it's like uh, you can, you can, you can kind of win a crowd over in a weird way. Yes, through manipulating their timing expectation. 
Yeah, but you have or you to, can turn them off. You can. I have plenty of experience. <laughs> that, that's true, uh, but you do have to have a sense of um, trust, though. Uh, of them or of myself or uh, them of me uh, of the of the audience of you, I think they yeah. do need to trust whatever the rhythm is that you establish. Uh, they need to trust you to uh, as a performer. Yeah. Of where we're going to go, and it's okay if you mesh with it. Yeah. But there still has to be that, and some of that just comes from the fact that you're one of the two people up there on stage yeah. the whole time. So a like, huge advantage. We, we have to trust to you. To be on stage. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but let, let's talk further about the idea of character. Because uh-huh. that is one of the things that we talk about here, and the personas and all this sure. kind of thing. Now, in an interview, uh, um, you said that the more you do uh, perform uh, in drag, mm-hmm. uh, the ham sandwich greater persona, yeah. uh, the more it uh, ceases to be something else and becomes more... Essentially, you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That that's. Uh, I now, think I, I've not done character work, oh, sure. but uh, I know if it's something you've done for fourteen, fifteen years. Yeah. It just becomes a magnification of uh, your own self because phonies, as we were talking about earlier with the Republican yeah. kind of stuff or conservative, phonies don't last. The yeah. phonies uh, f- uh, burn out very quick. Denny Hastert gets caught. Right. You know, uh, the wrestling coach. Phony piety. <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, people say be yourself. Well, that's a process, isn't it? Yeah, I think be yourself is is just very bad advice. It's like because yeah. that's not an action. <laughs> yeah, like I actually think like the drag is the process of kind of just amplifying yourself. I yes. guess it's like you said, any any form of character work. But I uh, I think we've hit like singularity at this point in terms of <laughs> like I like my friends call me ham. I feel like. Ham on some level, like throughout the day, it's uh, and then and and I feel maybe most like myself when I'm done up like that, and it's a little bit like I've used this analogy before, but it's like you know, um, and it's kind of goofy, but in that book, there's the Golden Compass books that I don't know if they're kind of like children's yeah, novels. I know there's a polar bear involved. There, there's a polar bear involved, <laughs> and they're 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 called armored bears or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there's this whole to do made about it. Whatever, it's kind of corny, but the bear, like the big rite of passage for the bear is that he, he builds his armor. Yes, you know, and like hammers it out, and it's perfectly fit, and and uh, it's like the embodiment of their soul is is something that they build and then adorn themselves with, and that's kind of how I feel about. Drag. It was like a long, slow process of kind of forging it, mm-hmm. and now the process of of putting it on and wearing it, and performing in it, is it's just like it's actually it actually strips away a layer of yeah. artifice, yeah, of just the of just the day to day, even though it's it's you know even though it's a thing that I'm putting on on top of whatever it is that already exists. So, absolutely, I, yeah, yeah. You said it's like you with hair. Yes, it's like me plus hair, so, and uh, like I had I had this realization too the other day of, of like because uh, I've been in, ha- having a weird superhero thing. Uh-huh. But there's this thing pe- everybody makes fun of. It's like why do they have capes? Uh-huh. And it's like because it catches the air and shows motion. It's like it's it's because it's a fantasy. Do you know what I mean? But it, but hair and a wig is just like that. Yeah, it just catches the movement and and makes you kind of. Into a little bit of a superhero. Yeah, it certainly makes it bigger. 
It makes it bigger. I mean, yeah, it takes up more space, mm-hmm. and then uh, it can, and it attracts the eye. Yeah, because often it's bright red or whatever color it might be. Yes. Yeah. Occasionally. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of them. Um, well, I was recently out in San Francisco, mm-hmm. a place I used to live, and I'd go to Tranny Shack. Oh yeah. I, I'd hang out uh, with uh, uh, men who did drag. Mm-hmm. I guess in some cases women who did drag, uh, uh, but I I know that they the majority of them never gave themselves over to performing. As far as I know, uh-huh. like four, five nights, seven nights a week. Oh wow! That's uh-huh. I mean that's really a as we're talking about it, we're saying uh, there is this other persona that you have essentially become that you've kind of adopted as part of your own uh, mm-hmm. being. Yeah, it's not something you put on. Right. There's a distinction there, right? I mean, you can do drag. Yes. And then what is this other thing? I think there's a difference between people. I think it's like a classic example, it's like Halloween drag, or it's it's like, uh, or I've dressed up some of my friends in drag, and the difference is that it just doesn't connect with something. It doesn't seem to connect with something like deep, yeah, inside of them. Uh, so, so they're just kind of doing drag. Um, it doesn't it doesn't end up embodying something like essentially true about them i have no idea about your friends in san francisco no i i and i you know i'm speaking very generally i'm yeah uh, I, i'm just you know i it would happen once a month something like that oh okay. not that it wasn't a, a, a deep part of them or anything yeah, like yeah. that but just I, I i as i meet more people i know that there is a an enhanced a different level uh, of this work yeah that um I, I'm just uh, wondering about since uh, it's so um, uh, in- integral to your being. Yeah, I wonder. Well, I th- I think there's two. F- uh, in addition to just whatever of of like it being like you know a calling or whatever, which is yeah. kind of a corny way to even refer to it, but it's <laughs> like I'm part of a community of people where it's, there's a lot of drag queens. People refer to themselves. And to each other by their nightlife names, by their drag names, by their you know chosen names. And I'm also, I also spend like you we have already alluded to like a huge amount of time on Facebook where I'm writing under the name Ham Sandwich. Like I'm in my the picture that accompanies it, and all of that content is yeah. me as a female. And that's um, that is. That's the way that I present to the world. In the, the, the majority of the points of contact that I have with the world, on the internet at least, yeah. are all under that heading. And so that kind of over time has really also reinforced the feeling of this just being a thing that I'm expressing. Because the idea of like writing that much in character is, is, is exhausting. <laughs> I can imagine. Just write. I just I just yeah. write things that I'm actually thinking and then... You know, those are ham thoughts. <laughs> ham thoughts is a good, uh, good sure. thing, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and ham sandwich is such an evocative name. I'm glad you think so. Yeah. It's really, <laughs> uh, to me, when I think of, you know, even lady parts, Uh huh. I think of... It means a different. It means you know, something different to sandwich. everybody. That's what I like about it. Uh, well, when I was out there to do uh, Sketchfest, San Francisco Sketchfest, yeah. I thought, you know, I've been out here so many times to do the show, uh-huh. and uh, I've never had a drag queen on the program. So Ooh. I sought one. I sought uh, one out, and I thought it'd be great to do a, a video. 
uh, and and uh, do drag because I, I haven't done it in a long time since mm-hmm. uh, you know since I was a just a wee child uh, uh, doing some talent shows at the schools and oh, wow. things like that. Pretty good. <laughs> but anyhow, I sought out this uh, uh, makeup expert. Turns out she's a bio queen. Oh yeah, which was a new uh, phrase for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess cisgender female. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, and. What a what a, a job she did! It was four hours sitting there doing the makeup. I don't wow. know if you saw the photos, but uh, it was spectacular yeah. uh, work. Is that are you spending that much time every night, or now you got it down where it's uh, not as not as intensive? It's not. I'm not a. I'm not at four hours, but I need three hours to be yeah. safe. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, to let this stuff dry in between. Yeah, <laughs> there's. It's it's funny. It's like you can do it in shorter time, but if you're constrained. Yeah. Um, the, then panic sets in. You don't have any room to make mistakes. And, you, and then it ends up taking four hours. It's yeah. Because like, you have to correct mistakes. Yeah. It was, well, it's, so, it's a, there's a lot. Yeah. It's, it's very fatiguing. Uh, it's it's actually the least, my least favorite part of it. <laughs> right. And, uh, and I'm sure you have many different looks, but the one that I'm most familiar with has been kind of consistent of uh, 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 kind of drawn cheekbones and uh, almost raccoon-like eyes that kind of hide uh, a little bit or maybe yeah. make make the eyes pop, but it's Big very, very dark uh, around there. Um, and uh, as you were talking about, it really does come across as an armor uh, oh, for yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, there's a kind of attitude that's consistent in the look Yeah, uh, with, the, with the character. Yes. It's I'm crucial. Glad that, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad that. So it's, I'm glad the makeup is doing that work for yeah. me. And it's still glamorous. It's a, it's it's more like Marlena Dietrich glamour. Beautiful. You know, as opposed to whoever whoever yes. else. Um, do you come back to that particular look for for any reason, or just because of all the things I've just said? <laughs> it's uh, it's I can't anything anything less than the big black raccoon eyes. Unfortunately, doesn't doesn't. It doesn't work for me. When I look in the mirror, I just I see my regular face, and I get depressed. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so I uh, no, I I need I need I need the big eyes, and uh, I've tried to soften up, you know, the edges and soften up the cheeks a little bit. Yeah, but um, there's only so much you can do. Well, it looks good. And uh, and so where do you where do you see things going for you at this point? I mean, you've, uh, you're you're doing okay. Doing uh, yes, I'm, I'm actually very I'm very pleased with just the fact that there's like people in new york who know or care that i exist like that's different <laughs> it's a than good five feeling years right ago. yeah <laughs> it's okay mm-hmm. yeah i know that i know what you mean yeah yeah it's a, this is pretty good there's an infinite distance between some and none yeah <laughs> it's yes. like but the distance between some and more is finite you know, yeah so it's just continue to add yeah Yep, and w- but would you like to do a, a TV show or one of these uh, character things or what's the? Um... I have no like the thing that John did character thing. Oh, for instance, I could yeah. I've I've could never do that because I don't I can't do characters. I just, <laughs> I wasn't a character. You just be a character. I, I would uh, I could be one character <laughs> yeah. am, uh, am, among the cats, but the, no, I it's like I don't have. Uh, I am. I'm very hampered by like um, just fear of everything, and so <laughs> yeah. I haven't produced a lot. I, I would like to make recorded music, and I'd like to perform it. And I podcasted. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I enjoy like talking and thinking about stuff and commenting. But the podcast thing became too much of an ordeal to me. It's like yeah. the, <laughs> so I stopped doing that. So. 
that's completely stopped? I ha- I kind of froze up because I did the first season. I uh, my first podcasts were all about RuPaul's Drag Race from season seven. Right. <clears throat> they were like commentary episodes. And then this season, and I did some in between, you know, like four or five. And then this season started. I was overwhelmed with school. I was kind of having a very emotional moment. I was like, I can't do this. So I can't. I can't. Um, I can't supply commentary on this show. I don't care. Like I yeah. don't give a fuck, and uh, I don't have the energy. And so I went. Oh, I just. I guess I can't do it. I won't do it. So then I gave up. And it. <laughs> Well, and that's perfectly fine, uh-huh. I'll tell you. Not that you need me to tell you that. <laughs> but uh, it's also, uh, you know, doing even this, doing yeah. a podcast, I'm not the only one. Yeah. And uh, with the drag race or something or, com- or any kind of um, commentary on pop culture, yeah. it's so bloated. Yes, the, there's the, a lot of commentary. The world. Everything has a recap and all this. Yes. I mean... There's a lot Just, of derivative content. Where is you know my voice within that larger yeah. thing is is tricky to figure out a little bit. I think I've I mean this is absolutely you know, six seven years doing this. Yeah, uh, and I still come up against that. Yeah, <laughs> you know maybe I should have stopped after one season, but uh. well, no, it's a hard it's it's a it's a bullshit thing that they make actors do too. It's like type yourself, like yeah. class yourself in the hierarchy. It's like. How is that not totally paralyzing? How are you supposed to how are you supposed to try and be truthful without being overly harsh to yourself or being deluded about your own importance? I mean, if I wish I were capable of of just flat out delusion and self-importance, I think I would be much more productive. Yes. It's this impulse to be correct to have my ideas like map on to reality. Yeah. Uh, that make me think. Well, let's be on the safe side and not assume that you know we're that important. To the... <laughs> right. Well, it's like it's also making a brand of yourself, which yes, is uh, something so gross incredibly unappealing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, because you have to appeal to the lowest denominator of what you imagine the public wants. Yes, and show show them what it is that is the thing that they're going to then uh, I conceivably pay for. Yes. You. you it's no discovery. No right. experimentation. Right. It's, oh, this is the guy that can do that thing, or this is the woman that can do that thing, and there you go. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, we're going to thrive. We're going to keep love going. That. I think that <laughs> I don't want to get too down in the dumps about it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I think there's great potential, and um, uh, I like the music, too. Oh, thank you. What uh, I've heard of it. I wish there was more of it. So get this album thing together. Thank you very much. Are you going to incorporate Frank. music into the thing at Ars Nova? Will that be a, it'll be a conversations, but also music? No. No. <laughs> no. I don't think so. Pure I've, conversation. I haven't had strong success we, uh, integrating my music into like the showgasm vibe and all that kind of stuff. I haven't, I haven't really nailed that yet. So, I mean, maybe it's something to explore, <laughs> but no, this is pure conversation. Yeah. Conversation. You don't have a lot of time to integrate it within those shows. No, there's yeah. no time. Yeah. Well, it's a violation also of my role as house DJ. <laughs> People don't know. What We're going to get co-host for you. Don't <laughs> don't worry about it. Um, and so, and you, but you perform once or twice a year. Well, <laughs> so I perform music shows it. once or twice a year, and then I do. I host karaoke every Sunday at a bar called This and That TNT and. and in Williamsburg, so that's that's like, that. But that it's a late night, isn't it? That's like Sunday, starting at ten thirty and going till two, and it's kind of um, I yeah. hate karaoke. I mean, I hate 
I hate listening to it. I hate letting people do it. And uh, so I do my very best to just not to filibuster. And so I end up talking for most of the show. Sounds like a fun time. Yeah, it's a great time. I certainly have fun with me and the two or three people that come. And are there only a couple people that get to do the karaoke? There, well, so it depends on the mood that I'm in. Yeah. Whether <laughs> the you mood that they're in. What do you not like about it? Well, it's uh, the ultimate derivative performance. It's sure. Like, it's the. It's hard to. Think, it's hard to figure out which is worse, like the open mic vibe or the karaoke vibe. In Ooh. both cases, people, <laughs> the people performing are the ones getting the most out of their show. Yeah, yeah. Um, and everyone else is waiting for their turn to go, which is a bad vibe anyway. Yeah. But I, maybe in the case of karaoke, it's better because there's no pretense. Usually these people are just you know kind of drunk and want to have a good time. I have sympathy for karaoke, okay? I have sympathy for it. <laughs> that doesn't mean that I approve of it. Or you know what it's is where it's all right is if you're in a room and it's like a birthday party. I've never been in that situation. I think maybe we should go and do it in one of the like a like the booth, like the Japanese style. Yeah, like, like in Koreatown or something. You go yeah. up there, and uh, yeah, you watch the video, and it's just a few friends, and you get a bucket of a beer or something. Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. All right, we'll we'll put that on the calendar. I wish everybody would go do that. Instead of coming to my night, <laughs> you could just uh, talk somewhere else. Um, well, that's great. I uh, I don't know if I'll make it to the karaoke, but we'll see. We'll have a nice a, I time. I know it's very late, Dale. It's so late. It's so late. <laughs> uh, but, you know, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, maybe I'm known to be one of these nights a, you'll just sleep in on a Sunday and you'll have a lot of energy. Let, it, let it happen. Yeah, I'll take Monday. Maybe a three-day weekend would be good for me. <laughs> yeah. But that sounds great. And, uh, Ham, people can find you online. Yeah, they should just find me on Facebook or Twitter. Or yeah. Ham with two M's and Sandwich with one M. Get it. We'll, we'll type it out. We'll yeah. put it on the website, too. <laughs> uh, okay, well, this has been great. Thank you for coming in, and uh, this has been delightful talking to you. Thank you. Thank you very Thanks much for so having much. me. There we go. A fine conversation with a deep thinker, a drag intellectual. It's high time we had one, isn't it? Has there been one before? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. But uh, I thank... Ham, thank you, Ham. Uh, we wish you continued success. Something I got out of that, by the way, it's okay to walk away from something, even if you put in a lot of time in. It's okay to say, let's change things up in order to move forward. So that's something to think about for, for myself. I, I'm going to be thinking about that. <laughs> about that. We'll see. Change is hard until you do it. Well, that'll do it for uh, us this week. Till next time, I'll be hanging my empty whiskey bottles out of my fire escape in order to make a beautiful and annoying wind chime for the Airbnb renters in the apartment next to mine. Happy spring, outsiders. Now let's get back to that great music that we all enjoy. Is it jazz? It's probably not jazz. Dale Radio is written and performed by James Bewley, musical director Steve O'Reilly. Season theme composed and performed by Shockwave. Podcast icon for Season 8 designed by Jenny Fine. Listen to Dale on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher Radio. And follow the program on Twitter, at Dale Radio, or on Instagram, at Dale Seaver. If you'd like Dale to come to your local VFW or Elks Lodge, simply drop us a line at Radio at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. You're the best. <laughs>